Amen. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord today. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine before church this morning, and he was telling me about his mother and dad who lived in another town. And he called one day to ask how the preacher had preached. And his dad was on the phone. He said, oh, son, oh, mm." it was heaven. He, He carried us to heaven and back. They talked a little while longer, and he said, well, let me talk to Mom. He said, Mom, how did the preacher preach today? She was real quiet for a while, and she says, well, I think he had a burr under his saddle. <laughs> Two people in the same service heard the same message. One of them thought he had a burr under his saddle. Somebody thought it was heaven. That's just the luck of a preacher today. But go with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, going to read a very familiar portion of Scripture. Acts 16, verse 19, down through verse 26. And when... Her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans." The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, praise God, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. Everybody say all the doors were opened. All the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Oh God, wouldn't it be great if that happened here in this service today? Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise for His Word today. I was going to title my message, The Key to Getting Out of Jail, but I've used that key thing too much, so we're going to call it When You Need a Breakthrough. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, When You Need a Breakthrough, the preacher's about to tell you how to get one. Amen. You may be seated. I confess to you this morning that I am probably preaching to myself as much as I am preaching to anyone else in this congregation. 
But I hope that somehow before we get through today, God will help all of us find a way out of whatever it is that incarcerates us and binds us today. Anyone here like to experience a spiritual breakthrough? Anybody? I'm talking about to, to loose bands and to find the freedom and liberty that the soul desires. I have a very simple message, and yet the implications of it are so profound. And the more that I listen to our praise team this morning, the more the Word of God was confirmed in my own heart. In the game of Monopoly, when we were kids, there was a card that one could draw from the chance stack of cards. It was called Get Out of Free, or Get Out of Jail Free card. Anybody remember that? It was a free pass if somehow, through whatever circumstances, you found yourself locked up in jail. Now, if you were in jail... You had to roll the dice a certain way or you had to get certain things to fall into place in order for you to get out of that place of incarceration. But if you had this pass, it was a free move out of jail. It was what you used when you found yourself in a place you didn't want to be. Now, that phrase, get out of jail free, has become a metaphor for many other things. But one thing that it speaks of in our modern vernacular is that, that, that you are given something that will help you get out of an undesirable situation. Something that will resolve or relieve the distress of where you are in this present moment. You know, no one that I've ever met that was sane ever wanted to be in jail. As a matter of fact, most people that I've met that were in jail felt like they were there for the wrong reason. They had been convicted wrongly. And I I think Probably the most powerful and compelling reason that none of us intend to go to jail is because none of us like limitations. None of us like restrictions that are put on our life. Amen. Nobody likes that. Amen. Somebody help him out. We do not like when we are put in a situation where we don't have the freedom to do what we want to do or what we enjoy doing. And a jail is designed to do just that. Amen. Please help us out. Amen. The phrase has become known to us as an opportunity to move from where we are to where we need to be. Now, a jail is designed to limit you. It is designed to take away certain freedoms. It is designed to control your life when someone is incarcerated they are told when they can eat when they can sleep where they can go when they can go there and what they can do 
And so none of us can imagine wanting to be in a place where those kind of restrictions or limitations are put on us. We don't want that. We, we enjoy the liberty that we've had this morning. But if you and I were in jail, we would not have that same privilege and that same sense of freedom that we've experienced here in this service. And, and personally, I, thankfully, I've never been in jail uh, well, I have been, but not for the wrong reason. I, I've, I've never been imprisoned, and I, 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 but I have been there, and I have experienced what it feels like to be inside that uh, building. Uh, every time I've ever gone to a jail or a prison to visit someone, I have left with a feeling of depression at what the the physical limitations of that place have put upon that person. The the oppression of being restricted and having somebody tell you when you can eat and when you can sleep and when you can do this or you can do that. And it is certainly not a desirable place. Now, I realize that probably, I hope... (laughs) There's not very many of us here in this service that's actually been in jail. Don't raise your hand if you have. And don't show us your card for how many times you've been in. But I have lived long enough to know this. That there are prisons other than the physical kind. I have lived long enough to know that there are situations... There are circumstances in life that, that, that bring us to that place that we feel like we are in prison, that we are in jail, that we have been locked away by whatever it is that we're dealing with. And those prisons are just as real as the real prisons are. As a matter of fact, sometimes they are more destructive because we can live in one of those a lot longer than we would live in a physical jail. If we were in a physical jail, we would be calling for somebody to bail us out. We would be calling for a bondsman. But I've lived long enough to find out that sometimes in life, men and women can live in a private prison. They can live in an inner prison. And nobody else know but them. And nobody else know how long they've been there. And perhaps even somebody here today. The circumstances and situations of your life have limited you and bound you up. And I don't know how long you've been there. But I've come to tell you, you can get out. Amen. There is a way out. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. When you talk about inner prison, you're talking about the hidden pain and suffering that we often go through in life and the hidden burdens that people carry that no one even knows that they are carrying, the problems that they've encountered in their life in this week or a previous week that has put them in an undesirable situation and the hidden toil that, it, that they labor under that nobody is aware of and the struggles that go on in their private world. Those are very real prisons, and there are many of them. 
I could name them, and I, I, I'm sure you could come up with your own list, but when I started thinking about the many prisons, the many inner prisons that people sometimes get trapped in and incarcerated in, I thought of fear. Fear is a very real prison for some people. They live in terror. They live in constant anxiety over life. They worry about this and that and the other. And they find life to be more stressful than it ought to be. And they live incarcerated. They they live bound by a spirit of fear. Anything good could happen to them and they would interpret it as bad. I remember hearing a, a, a young woman tell of a personal experience when we were at a, another church years ago. She called her sister-in-law one morning, and she was in a panic. And, and, and her sister-in-law thought, something's happened. Something's happened to the kids. Something happened to her husband. Something's, he worked for the fire department. She thought the worst. And finally, when she got her calmed down, she said, what in the world is wrong? And she said, Nothing. That's what's wrong. Nothing. But I just know that because nothing is wrong, something's got to be wrong. And there are people, as funny as that may seem, that may sit on these pews this morning that's bound by the same kind of fear. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. You find a way to interpret it in a negative light. I thought about worry. And, you know, people in the hour we live in, it's not difficult to be a worrier. It is not difficult to get stressed out over government, over politics, over the world condition, over sin, all the stuff that happens. It, it is easy to get trapped in that worry. What's going to happen? What, 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 where do we fit in? I've had people say, Brother Hughes, tell me something about prophecy. I said, I'm going to tell you the one thing you need to know about prophecy. It doesn't matter if the Lord comes pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, or whatever trib. The most important thing is whenever he comes, you better be ready. That's my prophecy story for you. That's my prophecy Bible study for you. That whenever the Lord comes, you ought to be ready. But in the day we live in, we are stressed out. Do you understand this morning that one of the number one medications that's given out to men and women of our culture are stress-relieving, anxiety-relieving medication, things that we can make, go to, make us go to sleep, things that we can help get us up in the morning, things that will help give us energy. How many times do you drive by or go in a convenience store and right there by the cash register, five-hour energy? Because we're stressed. And sometimes people get trapped in that. And there's some of you that are trapped in that. You're worrying about this situation. You're worried about how that's going to work out. You know what? Put it in the hands of God and leave it in the hands of God and God will work it out for you. Worry is a a trap. Doubt is a trap. Always looking at life from a negative slant. Somebody tells you something and you have to have, you got to go Google it to see whether they're telling you the truth or not. We live in the most skeptical world 
It doesn't matter what it is. People are going to try to find a reason not to believe it. I'm here to tell you it's about time somebody stands up and said, You know what? I don't have anything else to live on but my faith in God. But that's good enough for me to live on. That's strong enough for me to stand on. And when I have nothing else, I have the confidence that God is going to see me through. Amen. There are some people that are bound by people. You are more stressed out about what people say about you than what God thinks about you. You are more worried about what people might put on Facebook or put on whatever other media source they might have than you are of what God thinks about you. And then we start letting what other people say about us affect how we think about ourselves. And what happens is we become incarcerated. We become prisoners in an inner prison. Nobody else knows it. But we come to church and we try to worship, but our hands are bound. They're in shackles. We try to open our mouth, but nothing seems to come out because we are bound by a fear or a worry or whatever of what somebody else might think about us. And you know what? People are going to think what they're going to think. You're not going to change it. You know, I figured out 3 o'clock this morning that there's some things. Now, I was up at 3 o'clock this morning. Some things that are, that are just going to be that way, and you might as well swallow it and learn to live with it because all of you are getting mad and angry and upset and stressed out and spazzed out over it. It isn't going to change it. It's not going to make one ounce of difference. If you let people get into your mind, they will drive you insane. You know what? I'm not here because of people. I'm here because of God. I'm here because one day He reached down and picked me up and put me on my feet. That's what I celebrate this morning. That's what I have victory in the day. It's not what people think about me, but what God thinks about me. Come on, everybody. Clap your hands to the Lord. I'm just Let me give you a couple of other jails that people get trapped in. Disappointment. I have seen disappointment hamper people's walk with God because something happened sometime in their past. It happened at church. It was caused by saints. It was caused by a preacher. And we became disappointed. And so now it's hard for us to get excited about anything. It's hard for us to believe anything. It's hard for us to even be encouraged by the fact that we're in a church where we have liberty and freedom to worship like we, because we were hurt, we were disappointed, we were let down. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you live long enough in this world, there's going to be more than one person that's going to let you down. And what I've discovered in life is sometimes the people that I put the trust in the most are the one that let me down the most. But it doesn't matter what people do to me. It doesn't matter how they disappoint me. I'm telling you that God 
God has never disappointed me. He has never failed me. And I refuse to let that disappointment incarcerate me in a prison and hamper me from being the kind of person God wants me to be. I refuse that. Amen. Something happened early on in my ministry that had the opportunity to make me so bitter that I would have probably turned in my credentials and gone and got me a job at Walmart. But fortunately enough, my pastor had taught me that when you're disappointed, the only way to really deal with disappointment is to pray it out. And I remember going away for a while and praying by myself for about a week. I left my wife with her parents and I went up to the country and I spent a week up there. It wasn't easy, I can tell you that, because we don't like getting over hurts. (laughs) We like hurts. We like being able to show people our wounds. We like talking about what people have done to us. Well, yeah, you know, I do that, but... And so I got up there and... I'm going to tell you, to be honest with you, it was like battling my way out of hell. I've never felt so much oppression. I've never felt so many demons and devils fight me in my life. But you know what? I made up my mind. Devil, you are not going to destroy me through this disappointment. And, And somewhere along the way, I don't even remember when it happened, but God gave me a revelation that the greatest of men still have clay feet. They're still flesh. They're not any more perfect than I am. And if they could give me the benefit of the doubt most of the time, I need to learn how to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not preaching for myself this morning. I'm just telling you that people are going to disappoint you. You're going to even be disappointed in God sometimes because God doesn't answer your prayer when you want it answered. And God doesn't do what you want Him to do. And God doesn't come through when you want Him to come through. But disappointments become a prison and they, they, they bind us when everybody else is rejoicing. There's something in us that wants to do that, but we can't do it because we are in stocks. We got our feet and our hands in stocks and bonds. Let me tell you another prison that people get trapped in is their own mistakes. Their own mistakes, their own shortcomings, their own failures. You do something in life, you stumble you fall, you make a mistake, you say something stupid. I know I'm not supposed to use that word, but I don't know a better word to use for some things that people say. What I've said, some of it's just plain stupid. Look it up in the dictionary. It is a word. (laughs) Yeah, and look at the definition. And there's something about... Our own mistakes. Sometimes it's easier for me to forgive others than it is for me to forgive myself. Because I am always reminded. I remember the the psalmist said that my sin is ever before me. That came out of the 51st Psalm when he's repenting and praying, God, 
Renew in me a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart. But in the midst of him praying that prayer for cleansing, there was a reminder in his own flesh. I know what you did. You hypocrite, you. Amen. You, 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 you two-faced person, you. And, and we let that suppress our praise, push us back, keep us back in the, in, in the shadows when God's trying to draw us out, when He's trying to free us and liberate us. We allow our own mistakes to trap us and put us in shackles. And when you're in shackles, you've got some movement, but not very much. And so here we are. You almost get up. You almost praise. You almost break through. Almost. Almost. And so it becomes a jail. One of those inner prisons that we get trapped in. You feel bound. Sometimes it's not something of that nature. Sometimes we feel bound by our own health, our own health problems, bound by circumstances that are not of our choosing, things that come into our life that we did not invite. Anybody have anything like that going on in your life? If you find yourself this morning in one of those prisons, I want to help you get out. Amen. I want to help you find a way out. To me, one of the greatest stories, and I'm going to hurry to a close. One of the greatest stories of the New Testament is the story of Paul and Silas in prison. The reason to me it is so amazing is because the circumstances and the response to those circumstances. Paul and Silas didn't deserve the treatment. They didn't deserve what had happened to them. They were preaching the gospel, doing the work of God, and yet people found it. Uh, unto, unto their liking and so they were beaten they were put in stocks they were thrust into the inner prison and history tells us that the inner prison was the filthiest of the prison it was the worst of the worst it was beyond degraded it was the absolute pit and that's where he found they, they found themselves but I'm encouraged by this story every time I read it. And I've read it many, many times. I've preached from it several times. And I think the reason that I am encouraged every time I read it is because every time I am, I'm encouraged, I, I, I'm encouraged to feel that no matter how stuck I may be at the moment, no matter how bound I may be at this present time, that there is nothing that I find myself in at the moment that if I do the right thing, I cannot get out of. That if I am understanding of the worst circumstances that could happen, that out of those worst circumstances could come my best result. That when it happens to me, it may be disheartening for the moment, and it may make you want to throw up your hands and give up. But you hear me this morning. Don't you dare give up. And don't you dare give out. Because there is a way out. 
of that undesirable place. Amen. Instead of seeing what you would expect to see in such circumstances, which would probably come from us, me at least, I would question God. I would be angry. I would be frustrated. I would say, God, this is not fair. Why me? Why now? Why this? Anybody ever ask those questions? They, instead of that, they show us how to get out of jail, how to get out of that prison that we're locked up in. And it's not anything really profound, but it is revelatory. Number one, the Bible says that in that prison, in that prison at midnight, they began to pray. Everybody say pray. Pray. That's a powerful word. It, it means far more than what most of us would even comprehend. But in that inner prison, they understood that the importance of the direction of their life would determine whether they got out or not. And the word prayed that is used there comes from two Greek words. The first Greek word is pros, P-R-O-S, and it means to set the direction of your will, your wishes, or your prayer. To set the direction. So in this inner prison, bound as they were, Paul and Silas determined that the only way out of this prison is to set our direction in the right path and to turn our eyes to the right thing. And they are telling me in a very simple yet profound truth that if you're going to get out of your prison and you're going to have a breakthrough or you're going to break out of that, that incarceration that you've been in, you and I are going to have to set a new direction for our life. You're going to have to get your eyes focused on the right thing. I, I, I listened to them. They were singing, the earth is filled with his glory. And when they sang that, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And that means when you're in that prison, my glory is in that prison. But if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. And this is what I've discovered about life is that you're going to find what you are looking for. It's just like the mother and the dad. One of them heard a cucklebur and the other one heard heaven. Determines, it just depends on what you're looking for. What the Bible, or, or one psalmist said that two men looked out of prison bars. One saw mud. The other saw stars. Everything in your life and mine can be determined by the direction that we set in our life. And when you get into a situation that is binding you, when you get bound by your disappointment or you're bound by your fear, you need to understand how important it is to set your direction in the right way and turn your eyes to the right thing and focus your energy and your attention on those things. If you're going to have a change of, uh, of, of location, you're going to have to have a change of focus. Amen. Instead of looking around and looking in, you need to start looking out and looking up. They may have been in prison, but they were not in that prison. 
when they got into that inner prison, their eyes were turned to another world. Their eyes were looking to another source. Their eyes were fixed on another power. Their mind, their heart, their thoughts. What your attention is on is going to be what controls your life. <coughs> turn your attention in the right direction and you can turn your life around. Say, Brother Hughes, that sounds just like a poppycock of all this positive thinking. No, it's a biblical principle. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. It is the direction that we turn our eyes when we're in the midst of trouble. It determines whether we're going to stay in it or get out of it. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you want to get out of your jail? Then you better set your attention. You better turn your direction. Your will, your wishes, your prayers need to be turned in the right direction. The second thing, the Bible said that they sang praises. Everybody said sang praises. They sang praises. The second principle that the Lord talked to me about when we were looking at this scripture is that it's important what you do with your mouth when you're in one of those places. That little fatty muscle that's inside your mouth right now can cause more grief. The Bible said it's a world of fire. It's either life or death, or death or life. It's in the power of the tongue. So you're either going to speak yourself into a better situation, or you're going to talk yourself into deeper depression, one of the two. So when you're in a prison, when you're bound, and when you feel like you are incarcerated, you got to learn how to open your mouth and point it in the right direction and say, you know what, I may be in this prison, but this prison is not going to be in me. And learn how to lift your voice and celebrate the God of glory who is with you no matter where you are. Amen. The word literally means in the Greek to celebrate God. Think about that. In the midst of a prison, in a stinky, dark, pitiful, filthy place, these two men decided to celebrate. They decided to have a victory party in hell. What would happen this morning if in the hell you've been living through, you just decided to start celebrating God. Not celebrating your problem. Not talking about what's wrong in your life. But start talking about the right things that are in your life. Start talking about the things that God's already done for you. Where He's already brought you out of. What He's already brought you through. Why don't somebody open your mouth and declare the word of the, God, of, the word of the Lord and speak that word over your situation? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to him right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. You hear me this morning. You can be seated for a moment. You can talk about your problems all you want to. But talking about your problems isn't going to change your problems. You better start talking about something more powerful and important than your problems. Why don't you start confessing the power that God says available 
that lo, I am with you always. Lo, I am with you always. Lo, I am with you. However low life may take you, God said, I'm going to be with you there. If you're in the dungeon, you're in the inner prison, it doesn't matter what life's trying to do with you or mess with you about. I'm just telling you that lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Amen. Amen. What you're going to have to learn is that if you get control of your tongue in your circumstances, you're going to see a turnaround. What you say when you're there. What you confess when you're there. What you declare when you're there. What you talk about when you're there. How you talk about it when you're there will determine whether or not you get out of the prison that you're locked away in. You've got to learn how to celebrate God, not rehearse your woes. Amen. Amen. There's some... One translation, when, when it says pray always, I think that's the verse. One translation of that verse says worrying your prayer. And I thought, worrying your prayer. And the Lord said, yeah, that's how some people pray. They worry their prayer. They, when they pray, it's, it's not like they have confidence in me. It's just like they got to tell somebody. But they're not expecting anything to come out of it. You can worry your pray. You can worry your praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm not mocking people who are broken, but I am telling you that there's a world of difference between you crying in your milk over what's not right in your life and you really learning how to celebrate in the presence of the Lord. You know what? It doesn't have to do with my feelings. I didn't feel anything this morning at 3 o'clock. But when I got up, I decided I was going to start praising God. I was going to do it because He is worthy of my praise and because He's already brought me out of so much stuff. What I'm in right now is nothing compared to what He's gotten me out of before. So I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to joy in the God of my salvation. I'm going to shout aloud and dance about. Why? Because He is worthy of my praise. And He is the one who deserves. Yes. Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care where you are or who you are. You're not going to escape your circumstances and find freedom until you learn how to control what comes out of your mouth. What you say over your family. What you say over your children. What you say over your problem. What you confess of the word of the Lord over your life. This is what I... By singing, listen to me, by singing, they refused to acknowledge themselves as prisoners. Wow. By singing, by simply worshiping. They may have been in a chamber of torture, but they turned it into a chapel of praise. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always.
And again, I say rejoice. I want to ask you this morning, can you celebrate in the midst of your circumstances? Or do you have to get everything right and all of my prayers answered before I can really feel the freedom to rejoice? I've learned something this morning that in the midst of my pain, I can still praise Him. In the midst of my frustration, I can still rejoice. In the midst of all the chaos that's going on in my life, I can still celebrate the Lord because He is worthy. He's done so much for me. He's brought me out of so many things. He's taken care of so much already in my life. They can strip you of your dignity. He can take away your freedom. They can take away your movement. But they cannot take away your God. Amen. Do you have a God that can be limited? Then you need to start celebrating that God. That as of yet, there isn't a prison deep enough and dark enough that they can put you in that God can't get you out of. You hear me? There's not a prison that your mistakes or your failures or all of your sins or everything else that could happen that could put you so far away that you feel like you can. there is no prison no too deep for God to get you out of. And there's no prison too deep that if you'll just open your mouth and start praising Him, that there won't be an avenue to get you out of that place that will put your feet on the right path, that will turn you in the right direction. Come on, lift your voice and celebrate with me right now. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. They prayed. They turned their eyes in the right direction. Get your eyes off your problem. Get your eyes off your pain. Get your eyes off your disappointments. Get your eyes off of your hurt. Get your eyes off of your worries. Get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes off of problems. Get your eyes. Direct them toward Him. Because when you do, there's no prison that can hold you. Because even if you are bound, when you begin to pray and sing praises, God's going to put His hand on the foundation and He's going to start shaking that jail. (laughs) He's going to shake it long enough that every chain falls off and every door opens and every prisoner is free. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Do you want out of your prison this morning? Is there anybody here that would like to experience a little more freedom? Come on. Come on right now. Come on right now. Come on right now. Come on right now. God, I need a breakthrough this morning. I need a breakthrough in my spirit. I need a breakthrough Never in my the home. Same. Oh, Lord. You've taken all.